time of need. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for comforting us. Let all those under the sound of my voice sense your comfort, Father. You sent the Holy Spirit to comfort us. And Lord, you taught me I must allow myself to be comforted. Your presence is beautiful. And here in Christ, our unsearchable riches of what your people need from you. And it is your desire to bless your people. Because you love them, privilege it is to be your child because you are a good father good father I thank you for your goodness and your mercy and your grace so when we go out, we go out in your strength and your ability. We don't rely on our own strength. And we lean not on our own understanding, but I trust you, Father. And I trust, Lord, that by faith, I'm going to step out and give the word in your ability and not my own. And I thank you and I praise you. And in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. God has different ways he interacts with us, you know. And there's something, there's a certain way he interacts with us when we praise him that you, the word says he inhabits the praises of his people. He loves praise because when we praise him, we come into agreement with him. There, there has to be an exchange. You, you know, you, you, you know, the word talks about does, does, uh, does uh, fresh water and salt water come from the same spring? And so out in the world, we, we get caught up in many different things that are being said to us all around. And, you know, I mean, it's just many different voices vying for our attention. And they, and they have an effect. But if you always, may, you always keep that mindset of Christ, to 
because the word said you have the mind of Christ, that you keep his mindset and you always say the things that he says. And you do, you, you, because th think about it, if you're praising God, that means you are thanking, you are telling him, Lord, you did this for me. And so I cannot at the same, in the same breath say, Lord, you did this for me. And also the Lord did not do this for me. And so there's an exchange. There's a reason that it says beauty for ashes. Because you can't have the beauty with the ashes. You have to decide. What are you going to, uh, what are you going to give attention to? What are you going to place value upon? What are you going to speak even when you cannot see because God declares things that are not as though they are. I was telling Iris and, and, and Becky about I was teaching I was listening to a teacher this you know talk about the natural and the supernatural and natural or the spiritual if you want to put it that way. And he said because we because we don't we don't it's like well how can I declare something that is not and, and, so, and, we, and we sometimes think, okay, well, God, God speaks things that are not as though they are, but I am not God. And yet his word said, I create the fruit of the lips, and death and life are in the power of the tongue. And so, yeah, he has created everything, but he has delegated us with the ability to frame what he has created. And it's not our... It's not in and of ourselves that we have power and ability, but when we speak those things in authority that we have been given in Jesus' name, God says, okay, I'll approve of that, and I'll set it into motion. That's what he means when he says, I create the fruit of the lips. Okay, so I was listening to a teacher, and he was talking about these things, and he said, he said when a, uh, uh, when a, a lady bakes a, bakes a cake, she takes out all the ingredients. She has all the ingredients, and before she even mixes everything, and the kids come in and say, what are we having for dessert? And she says, chocolate cake. She speaks that before she has gone through the process of baking the cake. So then is she not speaking about things that are not as though they are? And so it, when, you, when God gives you a word that you can place your faith in when he says I've healed you I've delivered you I've given you peace the joy of the Lord is your strength no weapon formed against you shall prosper a thousand may fall at your side ten thousand at your right hand but it shall not come nigh your dwelling those are seeds and a seed because Jesus said the sower sows the word they're seeds so the, the seed is scattered into your heart and now you have a basis to believe because now you know what God has told you and even though you don't see it in the natural, he has spoken those things that are not as though they are. And so, as the, but see, the beginning of that process of faith is when you say, okay, Lord, I believe it. And you have to maintain that stand until you get to the harvest time because it goes through a process. It takes the natural time to catch up with what you have spoken in faith based on what God has told you that you can speak. I can't speak outside of the realm of authority that he has given me. But he has given you a lot that you can speak. Amen. Well, that has nothing to do with the message today.
Praise God. Now, <clears throat> a circus was in town. And uh, as a man stood in line waiting to buy his ticket, it was announced that for a little extra, he could buy a ticket that would allow him to go backstage and, and see the animals before they performed. And so the man eagerly pays this extra amount, you know, goes back, you know, he's, as he's walking on his way back, he's enjoying the smells of the carnival food and the music and all of the experiences that go with that. And he's like, oh, the lions and the giraffes, they're in their cages. Wow, this is great. And when he passed by the elephants, he stopped. The elephants had no cage. They were held only by a rope that was attached around the elephant's ankle and attached to a peg in the ground. And as the man watched the elephants, and he's wondering, okay, well, why they're not just walking off and snapping these ropes and going to their freedom, he noticed that one of the trainers was walking by, so he calls him over and asked him why the elephants didn't try to escape, since they're only held by a rope instead of being in a cage. And the trainer grinned. He said, he explained that when an elephant is a baby, they tied them the same way, the single rope around the ankle and then attached to the peg in the ground. And while the elephant is still a baby, the rope is strong enough to hold them. And as a baby, the elephant learns then that they are not strong enough to, put, to pull that rope loose, so they stop trying. But after they've grown up and they are strong enough to pull that peg loose, they still think it can't be done, and so they don't try. You have your Bible, turn with me to Isaiah 61. And yeah, we do have the kids with us this, this morning, and I do have questions for you guys. I'm sure you already noticed the, the candy bars over there. I have Baby Ruth and Butterfinger today. Yeah, you're lucky they made it here to the podium. Isaiah 61. So this is Jesus speaking before he's born. The spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to those who are bound. Now this is the same scripture that Jesus read out loud in Luke chapter 4, he's sitting in the synagogue and they, 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 uh, they hand him the scroll. So he opens the scroll of Isaiah here and he reads this same thing. And then he hands the scroll back and everyone's looking at him and he says, this scripture has been fulfilled today, right now. And uh, what's he saying? He's saying, I'm the one who the Lord has anointed to do this. Me, that's what he's saying. And that scripture in Isaiah, that's written 700 years before Jesus was born. But notice what it says here in the middle of the verse, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to those who are bound. The opening of the prison to those who are bound. Did he say he was going to go in there and take them by the hand and lead them out? It's an opening of the prison to those who are bound. People can stay bound if they want to. 
Remember the story in uh, Acts chapter 16 where Paul and Silas are in jail and it, they've been beaten, they've been thrown in jail and at midnight they're singing, they're praying, they're singing hymns to God and all of a sudden there's an earthquake and all the shackles fall off and the doors open up but God doesn't actually push the people out of the jail cells. God set people free. He, he proclaims them free. He speaks. He procla- it's a, to proclaim liberty to the captives. In other words, Jesus tells people, you're free. He declares that over them, and what they do with that is up to them. And so when you talk about proclaiming liberty to captives and opening prisons, you're talking about freedom. Freedom is something that's especially important um, to the believer to understand what they are free from. The word said you're free from the guilt of sin. You know? In other words, God does not want Christians to be like, I messed up again. Ah, I'm such a worm. He doesn't want them to do that. When we realize we mess up, he wants us to go and say, Father, I was wrong. And he says, you're righteous. It's a declaration. Why does he say you're righteous? Because you've been cleansed in the blood of Jesus. As far as he's concerned, you you now identify with Jesus and you are in his family. See, we, we are, you know, people out there, they, they, they think they, they've been proclaimed free, but they don't acknowledge that they've been made free. The prodigal son is, you know, eating eating the pods fed to the swine, and all of a sudden he realizes, what am I doing? I'm going to go back and apologize to my father and see if maybe he'll just even let me be a servant in the house. And so he's, he's coming back. He's probably still all messed up from his experiences. He's probably in rags. He's probably dirty. He probably still smells like pigs. But the father runs to him and hugs him and falls on his neck. And then it says, put a ring on his finger. That's authority. So he restores the authority, put a ring on his finger, sandals on his feet, put a robe on him, because now I am declaring that you are my son. So if God declares you free, be free. So, and you know, we just got done with this time of worship. Did you sense such freedom in this place? Because the word said where the spirit of the Lord is. There is freedom. <laughs> so then, again, if you said out loud, Jesus is your Lord. If you believe in your heart, God's raised him from the dead. The Bible says that God has given you the Holy Spirit as a guarantee or proof of his promises to you. That's why it's good that if you pray in tongues, you do it often. If you don't pray in tongues, ask Jesus to baptize you in the Holy Spirit. Amen. Because the word said that you are not, your body is now the temple of the Holy Spirit. He resides in you. And so we don't take advantage many times of what God has already said. It's like, well, we think someday if we get there, someday, I'll, someday I will attain or I, I can. But, but, but what it is is that God has already given us so much just in that moment when we said, Jesus is my Lord. And I believe that God has raised him from the dead. And Lord, I need you. 
in that moment, so much was given to you and so much was declared over you. How much of it do you want to see as a reality is the question. Because it is spiritually real. That's why faith is the substance of things, you know, things hoped for, confidently expected. I wouldn't be expecting it if I already had it. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. And so, again, you plant that seed of faith and you make the declaration that I believe you, can, you said this about me, God. You said I am free. You proclaimed I am free. And then you, you stay in faith and you walk it out until you, have that, you reap a harvest of freedom in your life. Freedom from what? Whatever you need to be free from at the time. Whatever God doesn't want you to be in bondage to. Amen. making sure I'm not going to get ahead of myself here. <laughs> so then freedom is something you have been given and that you receive by faith. But in order for freedom to do you any good, you have to walk in it. You have to walk in it. I'm free. You know, something uh, comes up from somebody's past that once held them in bondage and they have to be able to say I'm free from that because the enemy is going to try to get you back into bondage again okay so think back to that story about the circus with the elephants it's very similar to this verse where it said he sent me to heal the brokenhearted to proclaim liberty to the captives okay one tiny rope tied around the elephant's ankle that was the only thing that was in the way of the elephant's freedom. Now, if an elephant decided to just walk off and pull on that rope, would that rope be able to withstand the strength of the elephant? No, but the elephant stayed bound because they believed the rope was too strong for them to walk in freedom. And so whatever things that we believe has us in bondage, we have, to, we have to measure that up to God and say, is this strong enough to withstand God? Because I can't do anything without God. But with God, all things are possible. So I need to be able to say no. I, I, mean, I remember one time I was believing for healing about something. And I mean, it, it was, um, it was, it was a, there was just such pressure. I was, you know, such pressure here and, and pain, you know. And I'm like, and it's hard to... So it's, it's more difficult, a more difficult decision to stay in faith when you're in pain. But you get to where you start speaking out God's word, and then he give you a, uh, an unction, if you will. If you're faithful to keep speaking out his word, eventually something rises up in you. And I remember saying out loud, I did not say I am healed. God said I'm healed. And so I spoke to that and said, I do not fear you because I didn't say this about myself. God said this about me. So he's strong enough to break that rope. So come in alignment with him. Come into agreement with the Father. 
And trust him that he's strong enough to, to take you through it. Okay? Now, there's people in the world who say, well, God can never forgive me. I've done too many, too many bad things. Have, have any of you said that about yourself? Well, yeah, because that's what the enemy is going to tell you about yourself. See, the enemy works through suggestion. He can't make you do anything. He couldn't make Eve do anything. The suggestion is there. Ah, well, did God say this? He's suggesting, and so then he's going to suggest that you're not good enough. And then when you think, oh, yeah, you're right, I'm not good enough, then he goes, ah, if you were a real Christian, you wouldn't think that. Right? I've lived that. Have you lived that? And so the answer is, well, no one's good enough. That's the point. The difference, that's the difference between the story and the in real life. Sin is too strong of a rope for any of us to break. But, but before I made Jesus my Lord, I was bound in sin as any American uh, person who is taught, okay, well, you have freedom in this land. And so we value that to a degree. But we need to understand that there is a freedom that God brings too. And the freedom that God brings is far greater. Jesus brings freedom from sin. And so then that rope is no longer strong enough to bind you. Actually, the word said you've been given power over sin. So when temptation comes, it's like, no. You have the power to say, no, I won't do it. So then after I made Jesus the Lord of my life, he proclaimed liberty to me said, you have freedom. He opened the, the prison doors of wrong living to the, enjoy this freedom that we have in him, to live, to live for him, to do those things that please him, and to walk in fellowship with him, constant fellowship with him. You have freedom to do that. But remember, the elephants thought they were stuck because of this tiny rope, so they're not willing to, or they're, not, they're thinking they can't walk in freedom well, what if I started thinking like an elephant even after I've accepted Jesus? What if after Jesus opened the prison for me, what if I said to myself, well, Jesus did open the door, that's true, but he didn't come in and he didn't carry me out. I didn't have some, some uh, you know, event, you know, someone didn't lay hands on me and proclaim something and, and you know, all of a sudden the, you know, the lights went out because I was hitting the floor and, you know, something like that. I didn't have some event some defining moment so I guess I'll just stay here because I must not really be free since I didn't or since I went down to a prayer line and nothing seemed to happen when they laid hands on me how many of you know the devil would love for you to choose to stay in that prison he doesn't want you walking in freedom but he can't stop someone who Jesus has set free Okay, turn with me in your Bible quickly to John chapter 8. I'm going to switch over to the NLT at this point. You all with me so far? Is this helpful to you so far? You don't have to say amen. You know. John 8. Look down at verse 31. It says, Jesus said to the people who believed in him, you are truly my disciples if you remain faithful to my teachings. 
and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. But we are descendants of Abraham, they said. We have never been slaves to anyone. What do you mean you will be set free? Like I like to point out every time I read this is that they must have forgotten about that 400 years in slavery in Egypt. And if you ever want to do an interesting study, uh, Egypt represents sin. They were in bondage in Egypt. Verse 34, Jesus replied, I tell you the truth. Everyone who sins is a slave of sin. A slave is not a permanent member of the family, but a son is part of the family forever. So if the son sets you free, you are truly free. Remember what Jesus said about himself in John 14? I am the way, the truth, and the life. He said you'll know the truth. When he said you'll know the truth, he's meaning what he's really saying is you will know me. And the truth will set you free. Hmm. Look at there. It, uh, well, I got ahead of myself again. Jesus is talking about himself as the son of God. He's like, I, I'm, I, you know, a, a son remains in the house forever. Therefore, if the son sets you free, he's the son. Now, Jesus is the truth, like I just said. There, there's something about knowing the truth that sets you free. Takes the shackles off you. But again, like we saw earlier, if Jesus sets me free, if he opens that prison door, I still need to accept that freedom by getting up and walking out into the freedom that he has given me. You know, it's like God is releasing you in the blessing. Right? Because he has said, you're free. I have released you into blessing. You're my child. You're free. Walk in peace, love, the joy of the Holy Spirit. He's releasing you into blessing. You are released into everything he has for you. And you receive everything from him by faith. Hmm. So how did Jesus set me free? Jesus just said that whoever sins is a slave of what? Of sin. Whoever, whatever you present yourself to obey, you have made yourself a slave of that thing or a servant of that thing. Okay? So he said if the son sets you free, then you're truly free. So then... If, if, if I was sinning and I was a slave of sin, then what has he set me free of? He has set me free of sin. Okay. When he forgave me of sin, he set me free from that. Because he set me free through his sacrifice. He laid his life down. He took the penalty that I deserved. Okay, so then because he did that so that I could be forgiven, then he must see, see forgiveness as something that is very important. He sees forgiveness as something that is very important. 
you know, we don't really, even in the church, we don't, we don't talk about, we don't, we don't place a lot of emphasis on it. You know, and I think when I was writing the description for this in the email, it was like, well, you know, as a, 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 as a child, uh, how many times did an adult intervene when you got into a fight with another child and say, okay, you two need to make up. You need to say you're sorry. And then there's that, <laughs> I'm sorry. You need to say it's okay. You need to forgive. The other one's like, I don't want to do that. But you see, then even a child then knows that forgiveness is something they can do. They know that it's within their power to do that. Otherwise, they would say, what do you mean? But you need to tell them, I forgive you. I don't want to do that. Think about that. Forgiveness is not a difficult concept to understand because even a three-year-old can say, I don't want to forgive them. So even at that young age, we understand forgiveness. But see, then what happens, what happens after that stage is that then people grow up and they get into their jobs and it's like, that, I was after that promotion and that guy torpedoed me. And the boss doesn't call them in and say, okay, you two have been fighting. Tell him you're sorry. And it would probably be a pretty, probably a pretty similar thing, you know. But that doesn't happen. And even in the church, we don't discuss it a whole lot. But, for, but we can't forget that if Jesus was willing to shed his blood so that we can be forgiven by him when we accept him, that means that forgiveness must be extremely important to him. Okay. Jesus told a story over in Matthew chapter 18. Let's turn over there. Matthew 18. I knew this was going to be a really short message today, but I had a piece about it. I was like, do I need to delve in deeper into this? And I'm like, I just had this sense, no, I don't need to do that. It'll be all right. And guess what? God provided all these things, words and things to speak out. It's important to do that. So the title of today's message is Forgiveness Makes Us Free, really in more ways than one. Because when Jesus forgives you of sin, you are now free. But when you forgive others, that also keeps you free. So this is a parable here where Jesus is giving it. He's just teaching us a spiritual truth about forgiveness. Look down at verse 21. It says, then Peter came to him, to Jesus. And asked, Lord, how often should I forgive someone who sins against me? Seven times? No, not seven times, Jesus replied, but 70 times seven. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven can be compared to a king who decided to bring his accounts up to date with servants who had borrowed money from him. In the process, one of his debtors was brought in who owed him millions of dollars. He couldn't pay, so his master ordered that he be sold along with his wife, his children, and everything he owned 
to pay the debt. Now you understand that if Jesus had not come, this is exactly what would happen to us and that would be the end of the story. We can't pay the penalty for the harm that we have caused in God's world, and we've all done it. The penalty is, is this here. And so thank God <laughs> that Jesus came to tell us this and to die on the cross for us. So verse 626, but the man fell down before his master and begged him, please be patient with me and I will pay it all. Then his master was filled with pity for him and he released him and forgave his debt. Okay, so not only did the king release this man, he also said, you don't even have to pay me back. The man said, I, I, will, I will do everything I can to pay you back. And he said, no, you're free. And you don't even need to pay me back. This is a legal transaction. In other words, he is saying, I am wiping out your debt. You do not have to pay me back. Now, think about this. When the man left the king's presence, even if the king had decided, you know, why did I forgive him that debt? The legal action that he took is still in place because he, in front of his entire court, he publicly released the man from the debt. So after this point, it doesn't matter how the king feels about forgiving the guy or not. The man is free. When you forgive someone, don't worry about how you feel about it. Don't let that come into play because you don't want to take that, you don't want to pick up their case again. See, because when we don't forgive someone, we're standing as a judge. But a judge can say, I'm dismissing this case. What happens if people keep bringing up the same case that the judge has already dismissed? He's going to say, I dismissed that case. I refuse to hear that case. A judge can do that, right? I refuse to hear this case. So after you forgive someone, and then that memory of what they did, how they hurt you, what they did, what they said, what, what, what that comes up again, you can say, I dismissed that case. It doesn't matter how I feel about it. I have released them of their debt. They owe me nothing. Okay? That's how Jesus talks about forgiveness. He doesn't say, okay, forgive this person, and you have to make sure that you don't feel like you're still angry with them. You, that, that, that the memory of what they did comes back, and so you have to dwell on that. No, Jesus said, release them of their debt. In the Amplified, he says, let the matter drop and stay dropped. It's like they're forgiven. And what you have done when you have done that is you have dismissed their case, and that has allowed their case to go up to a higher court, which is the father's court. And now he decides their case. And you, if you're okay with whatever he decides, then you are free. You're free. And this involves, you can forgive people who have, sometimes it's like, well, this person did this to me, and then they died. How can I, and, and you think, okay, well, I don't want to speak ill of the dead, so how can I forgive them for what they did? No, it, for, if, because it's about you being free. God wants you to be free. You forgive them and say, I didn't, I, I, they owe me nothing. They owe me nothing. Lord, I'm, I'm kicking this up to you, your, your court. 
your court. Only God can judge them fairly anyway. <laughs> you know? So be free of it. Forgive the debt. And then walk in the freedom God has given you. Walk in that blessing that he's released you to by being free of whatever a person has done or said. You forgive them and you are not saying that what they did is okay. You're simply dismissing their case. I refuse to hear this case. They, I, they owe me nothing and I dismiss this case. In Jesus' name. See, you can do that in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, is this helpful to you? Have I gotten over into meddling now? God said it, not me. God told me before, I, you know, there, there was a certain group of people that I, that, that some, some doctors that I didn't agree with what they, what they did. And it was years later. I thought everything was fine. And I'm in the kitchen and I'm washing stuff up. And all of a sudden God spoke to my heart. He said, you need to forgive those doctors. And I'm like, what? Don't go back and look in your history for a laundry list and say, okay, who did I not forgive? No. Let God deal with it. If God brings it up to you, okay, then take care of it. But if God doesn't say anything, then just walk in the freedom he's given you. Amen. Amen. Now, verse 28. But when the man left the king, this is the man he just released from this big debt. When the man left the king, he went to a fellow servant who owed him a few thousand dollars. What was the previous debt's amount? Millions of dollars? This guy just owes him thousands. He grabbed him by the throat and demanded instant payment. His fellow servant fell down before him and begged for a little more time. Be patient with me and I will pay it. He pleaded, but his creditor wouldn't wait. He had the man arrested and put in prison until the debt could be paid in full. When some of the other servants saw this, they were very upset. They went to the king and told him everything that had happened. Then the king called in the man he had forgiven and said, You evil servants. I forgave you that tremendous debt because you pleaded with me. Shouldn't you have mercy on your fellow servant just as I had mercy on you? Then the angry king sent the man to prison to be tortured until he had paid his entire debt. That's what my heavenly father will do to you if you refuse to forgive your brothers and sisters from your heart. See, it's a decision of the heart. Forgiveness is of the heart, just like faith is of the heart. And I'm not talking about emotions. Because you can say, just like Isaac saying earlier, and so his word is, it was very opportune. I didn't feel God's presence, but I said, God, whether I feel your presence or not, I will worship you. And so it's not, a, and it's because worship is of the heart. So that's a decision you can make in your heart, whether you feel like it or not. And so, because, so a faith is of the heart. A person may, may be like, I don't, I don't feel, I'm not feeling like I have faith for this thing. But, what do, but, but because I have been told by my father that I can believe for it, then I can choose to believe whether I feel like I've got it or not. That's what makes it a decision of the heart. That's why faith is of the heart. That's why love is of the heart. That's why forgiveness is of the heart. Okay? So this is... Uh, you know, have you heard that, that saying that, that God's army is the only army that eats its own? 
you know, the only army that, that because he's, because this is a, a dealing with a fellow servant. And many times, see, the enemy can get people into, the, it, it, it's easy for the, easier for the enemy to get people, Christians, in uh, holding a grudge against another Christian a lot of times than it is because of somebody in the world. Because in the world, you can justify and say, well, they don't know any better. They're an unbeliever, so they hurt me. Okay. But it's easy to say, a bel- uh, uh, I was hurt by another believer. They should know better. And that statement can get us into a cycle of holding a grudge. In other words, keeping their case in court, keeping their case before me. And see, God can't deal with it until I let it go. I've told my kids before, you know, when there's a dispute among them and I'm talking to them. And many times the older one is like, why are you still talking to me? when the younger one was the the true offender. And I'm like, I recognize the younger one was the true offender, but because you won't let it go, I have to deal with you first before I can even talk to them. Right? The the principle is the same with God. You won't deal with it, with what another person has done, as long as you're cycling that around in, in your court. And I've lived this. It's like, God, why aren't you dealing with that person? Like, they did this, and he goes, pray for him. You, you heard, you've heard me tell the story, a certain manager. I said, Lord, she did me wrong. He's like, pray she has a good day. I'm like, what? Because I, he won't deal with her until I release it, until I dismiss the case and say, okay, I forgive her. She doesn't owe me anything. I'm not going to think about it anymore. I don't care if the emotions come back up again. I, I, I'm not going to think about it. And see, then God is now has, is going to deal with her. Amen? That's why Jesus said, bless those who curse you. Because when you pray out God's plan for their life, God's going to uh, bring opportunities before them to meet Jesus. Because it's God's desire that all should be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth, right? So you pray out God's plan for somebody's life, and God will provide them opportunities to come to Jesus if they're not saved. If they are saved, he'll provide them opportunities to realize what they have done. Amen? You with me? So, right after the king forgives this man of this debt of millions of dollars, and of course it's they're using modern terminology because it's new, the New Living Translation. They didn't have dollars in the parable that Jesus is talking about. But that's just so that we get an idea of how great this debt was. The debt he could not repay. So instead of showing the same kindness, he goes out and he finds someone who owes him much, a much smaller debt demands to be paid back. You own me because you lied about me. You slandered me. You betrayed me, whatever it is. You owe me, right? And so he can't pay, and so he throws him in jail. And what does that do? It takes away the man's freedom. So verse 31 is that, that where he, he starts, the, fel- the, the servants go, they report it, all right? So Jesus says, this is what my father will do to you if you don't forgive. And so we talked about this a, a, 
a long time ago, is that forgiveness is not, in God's opinion, forgiveness is not an option. You have the option to pray for people, but you do not have the option as to whether or not you can forgive them if you want to be a child of God. You must forgive them. It is a demand if you want to, if you want to keep from the same fate as unbelievers. You have to forgive. And the reason for this is because Jesus paid a very high price to be able to forgive you. This is why he has the right to demand forgiveness. Because this is, a, this is a blood covenant. You're in this family by blood. And so you're in his family, and, he, and he's like, that, that's why in another place Jesus said, if you forgive people, you'll be acting like true sons and daughters of your Father in heaven. See, because Jesus forgives, and so he expects us to think like him, talk like him, walk like him, forgive like him. See, that's why it, 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 is, it must be a decision of the heart because you have to do it by choice because it, 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 it cannot be governed by the emotions because if it were, then God would be unjust because your emotions are conditional. But forgiveness cannot be conditional. Amen? Okay. Are you guys okay with this? You can be able to answer these questions. <laughs> See, I've already said all this. That's why I'm skipping this. already said that. Already said that. Don't pull out your phones. Okay, so think about this. Can you see then how okay, as a child of God, just like Charlie said this earlier, you have, you have rights as a son or a daughter of God that had been bestowed upon you by the Father because he said, you're my son, you're my daughter. You ask many people, okay, in your household, you, know, you, go, you go over to your parents' house. What do you have to do to get a glass of milk? Or, well, just, I'll just go over to the fridge and get it. It's just that simple. That's not the way it is in every household. I understand that. But in a lot of households, it is that way. And uh, for, the, for, for people who didn't grow up that way, you can, you can imagine, you've probably seen movies where someone goes over to their mom and dad's house and they just take whatever they need to out of the fridge or whatever it is. And that's the way it is in God's household. Because he has given you permission to believe for healing, for finances, for whatever the, thing, whatever the things are that you need. He just doesn't want you to put more value upon those things than you put upon him the relationship that you have with him because it's by that relationship that those things are made available. Okay, so, but can you see then 
if a person is, is holding unforgiveness in their heart, then they're not acting like a son or a daughter. And so then they're going to have a harder time hearing from God because they've distanced themselves from him. They have uh, distanced themselves from that relationship with him. There's maybe still a son and daughter, but, they, but, the, but you see there's the, the relationship is strained now. So you're going to have a harder time receiving the things you need from him because of, this, of, of what's being held in the heart. Okay, so many Christians out there, they're crying out to God. And you, we, we, we've seen, we've talked to other Christians, and we see the things that they go through. You know, uh, and some of them just have to go through a, a time of waiting on whatever it is that they need from God. But their attitude that you can see on that, during that waiting time is going to vary greatly. Okay, but that's why there's so many Christians out there who are crying out to God, and they're in constant um, turmoil. It's a good word for that. They're crying out to God for healing, for protection, a job, guidance about his will for their life, and they're frustrated because they're not hearing from God about those things because they have unforgiveness in their heart. And they might say to God, Lord, that person hurt me so bad, I don't see how I can forgive them. But God's reply will always be what Jesus taught in the parable. I forgave you a debt of millions should you not forgive the debt of thousands? Because he wants us to act like his children so that he can give us the blessings that he wants to give us as his children. Amen. Amen. So, and it's because the relationship with God is only possible through forgiveness. So it's a foundation. Everything is built up from there. The, the, if, if he could not forgive you, he could not call you his child. But he wanted to forgive you so much that he sacrificed his son so that he can forgive you. And so that relationship comes out of forgiveness. Amen. So if I, can, if I convince myself that I cannot forgive, then I become like that elephant that believes that that little rope is able to keep me from being free. Remember Jesus said whoever sins is a slave to sin. Anything against God's will is sin. So if God commands me to forgive and I refuse to forgive, then that's sin. And so if I don't, if I don't forgive, and I'm talking to you as someone who has struggled with this in the past, if I don't forgive, then I put myself right back in the prison house. But praise God, Jesus opened the prison house. I walk back in, and the door's still open. So if I repent and choose to forgive, then I can come right back out and be released into blessing again. All right. That's all I got to say. Was it helpful to you? Got to get a hold of it. <laughs> All right, guys, are you ready? Should I do some questions now? Have you been listening? <laughs> I look back and Asher's like, yeah, I've been listening. <laughs> okay, you guys, you ready? I don't know how many, how, many, how many of you guys do I have in here today? 
I've got nine, but I've only got eight questions. So who's going to sacrifice their question? I kind of decided the teachers, or the, te the, the, the teenagers are probably a little old for the questions anyway. Do you, do you agree with that? So earlier we read a Bible verse that Jesus, about Jesus opening the prison house to those who were bound. Did that Bible verse also say that he went inside, picked them up, and carried them out? Asher? No. Good answer. Okay, come on up. So Jesus sets us free, and then he expects us to then walk in that freedom. Okay, number two. In the parable that Jesus told, why was the king angry with his servant after he had forgiven the debt? Samuel? Because he didn't forgive the debt of the other servant. That's right. <laughs> I'm, I'm seeing how carefully they're paying attention today. True or false? God asked us to forgive people if we happen to have time to do it. Farley? False. Come on up here. Okay, true or false? When God forgives someone of their sins, he sets them free. I think that was, that was Jonathan. True, yes. True? No, you knew the answer. I'm like, are you asking me? <laughs> All right. True or false? Jesus said, whoever sins is a slave to sin. Timothy? True, yes. John 8, 34, in case you want to look that up. True or false? If a person wants to hear from God, it will still be easy for them to hear even if they refuse to forgive people. That one's a little tricksy. Yes, Chloe? False. <laughs> Chloe's like, am I allowed to answer this question? Are we allowed to answer that? Yeah, just about, right? True or false? Yeah, I mean, she's, she's almost got a driver's license. But we should make that, that a rule, right? If you have a driver's license, you're not allowed to answer these questions. <laughs> okay, true or false? God wants his people to be free. That was, that was Luke. I think it was Luke. What do you think, Bill? It was Luke? True, yes. He would not have promised us freedom if he didn't want us to walk in it. Okay, I've only got one more question. So is there anyone who has not answered one? Isaac's the only one who hasn't answered one. I don't know. I, maybe I miscounted. I'm not perfect, you know. Well, Riley already answered. Oh, Leah hasn't answered. Do you want, do you want to do a race? Lisa's like, I mean, I mean uh, Leah's like, no. I'm allowed to misspeak every now and then. I know her name is Leah. What? Are you ready? You're ready. True or false? <laughs> there is something about knowing the truth that sets us free. True, yes. I should have, I should have come up with some. What is the boiling point of antifreeze? <laughs> okay. All right, everybody. Let's pray, huh? Father, thank you so much for your goodness and your mercy and the fact that you delight in, the, in your, your people coming near to you, to spending time together uh, for the purpose of talking about you, 
uh, learning about you, of, of just worshiping you and honoring you. And so I, I thank you so much that you've been with us this whole time and you have enjoyed every minute of it. And I, and I ask, Lord, that as everyone goes, you protect them, give them uh, the blessings that they need in their life, whatever needs that they have as they go, as they turn off their computer screen or their laptop or, or, or cell phone or whatever it is, Father, I pray the blessing upon them that, that they need in this moment, Lord, in this time, in this season of their life. Whatever it is that they're going through, Father, you know it. You know it well. So I ask for that blessing upon them for the purpose of drawing them closer to you. And I thank you, Lord. Give us things to do as we go out, as we go out into the community. Give us people to talk to and uh, to sow into. And I thank you, Lord, and I praise you. And in Jesus' mighty name I pray. Amen. Amen. All right, everybody. You are dismissed.